The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. You're tuned in to a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. Brian Scott Ribby coming up just here in a minute. But first, let me tell you briefly about Mosquito Marshals, which helps power Talk of Champions. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito Marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshalls online at mosquitomarshalls.com. Mosquito Marshalls, serving Oxford, Batesville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshalls. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. It's a mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. If you haven't already, subscribe, rip, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. We both write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. What's up, man? Not a whole lot. Hanging out, playing some golf. That's really about all there is to do. I'm ready for something to uh, something to change. Like I'm ready to see the schedule, kind of see when things are going to get going. When do you think we get the schedule? I think in the next day or so. There's a chance that some people listen to this uh, after it comes out, to be completely honest. I think it'll probably be uh, Wednesday. So, you know, we'll see. But that'll at least give you something to run down, provide some content. At least we have sports back. I don't know how big of an NBA fan you are. But uh, the games have been awesome. Uh, the NBA bubble, has, to me, has worked much better than baseball. Like, you don't really, when you're watching the games, you don't really miss the fans that much because of the backdrop. And the games have been pretty, uh, in terms of intensity and quality of play, I've actually really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. The Grizzlies are 0 for 3, which sucks. But it's been fun. It's been a lot more fun than Major League Baseball, especially as a Braves fan. While the Braves have been playing games, last night, Mike Soroka Torres Achilles tendon, and the Braves already only had two good, viable starters, and that was Mike Soroka and Max Fried. So, I've been wanting sports back, and then turn around, sports come back, and they kick me in the dick. 
So, like, as a Braves fan, they're seven and four, right? And you're following them. But is there, no matter like them playing well, I get the Soroka thing's a bummer. But is there just this air that is this going to matter and are they going to finish with baseball despite them playing well? Like, it, it would seem like that's kind of an ominous feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't care. I love baseball, Major League Baseball, and I was just happy to have the games. However long it went, it does feel like there's an air of inevitability that ultimately this season's going to end up getting stopped. But the bubble stuff has worked. The NBA, it's worked. The SEC is effectively building its own bubble with a 10-game schedule. You believe it comes out on Wednesday. I talked to Nick Suss um, for an interview for later on in the week, and I asked him the same question. He thinks it's Wednesday, too. So when you listen to that interview... Certainly, there will probably be a little bit of uh, information that comes out that'll make some of what we talked about somewhat dated. But I, I do think that uh, the bubble situation, as you and I have talked about ad nauseum already, it's proven to be the formula. And how can football replicate that formula? I don't know. I will say that um, protecting these kids as far as the on-field performance is going to be tough. They're going to socially distance the sidelines even more. And that might help, but at the end of the day, an offensive and defensive lineman, they're hitting each other immediately at the line of scrimmage, spits flying everywhere. How do you guard this? How do you protect this? And they've tried to do these gator masks at practice, and players just can't play with them. I mean, it's effectively like they're drowning. They say the sweat's pouring down their face, and they can't breathe. (laughs) One player put it as it was like getting waterboarded, which isn't a PC thing to say. But, yes, that's effectively oh, how it felt. God. Yeah, that it was couldn't breathe. And you have Ole Miss's medical staff, COVID representatives as far as the ones that are putting in the protocols and the safety measures, walk around saying, hey, put your gator mask on, but these kids can't breathe. So there's going to be a lot of trial and error with this and trying to figure out how to get the players on campus and um, playing games and all that kind of stuff. But it also brings to the forefront the point that you can understand then why players feel like they can speak out right now and say, wait, 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 wait. We're doing all these things to get us on campus and playing football, and yet we still can't get a little bit of something-something as far as revenue, or we can't get a little something-something as far as preferential treatment for classes, whatever. I mean, these kids are taking on all the risk right now. That's the obvious thing administrators and coaches, you're not taking on the same risk. You're not putting your body on the line. Like you're already taking on enough risk as a football player with the injury situation. They want to play, but what can we do here if the Gator masks aren't working and whatever? So that's why for me, I understand that some of the demands of the Pac-12 players, for example, are pretty ridiculous, but that's a starting point, right? That's where you start. It's not like that's where it's going to finish. I just think it's a nice development to see players stepping up and using their voices because right now they do have power. They've always had power, but they're utilizing that power. They're using that power to their advantage because they're the ones that are really assuming everything and they deserve to be able to have a seat at the table. Yeah, I agree. Like you go through the demands of the Pac-12 players. Some of them are really good things. Some of them are just kind of ludicrous. Not ludicrous is the wrong word. Some of those things are just unrealistic in terms of them ever yeah, just not feasible. Being met. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just just not feasible. That's a better way to to phrase it. But yeah, I I think they're realizing the power they have, and uh, you know what it, I mean. I don't mean this in like a pointed way, but like like this global pandemic has kind of provided an opportunity to seize control. And like I don't mean they're exploiting like the pandemic. It's just it, the opportunities arisen, and because they are assuming all the risk, right? But um, yeah, the whole the the face shield thing is interesting because if you build like the, basically the NBA, I mean, there's no way to prevent guys from sweating and like bumping on each other all the time. And that's why they created the bubble. So can college football create enough of the bubble? So where the sweating and breathing on each other doesn't necessarily matter if neither, you know, if no one playing in the game has the virus, you just got to make sure you're testing, testing, testing. And then if a kid or position group comes down with the virus that you quarantine the whole group and just keep going. That's the thing I've heard over and over and over for the last couple of weeks, just get it started and get it finished. All the stuff about bowls and postseason, none of that really matters. It's about survival at this point. I'm curious to see whether or not it sticks, because if it works and the TV ratings are through the roof because they're getting 10 weeks of SEC games and no interruptions, you're not getting Southeast Missouri, you're not getting Charlotte, you're not getting any game like that against an SEC team, I wonder if that money-making ability will allow not only for schools to reevaluate, 
but for players to realize, hey, if we have a shortener schedule, a shortener, a shortened schedule, shorten it down from 12 to 10, all league games, and revenue explodes, TV, everything, why can't you then appease the players? Because here's the thing. I think players right now are torn on the idea or ideas that came from those Pac-12 players. But that's the paradigm that's going to shift everything in college football. What's going out the other end of this after it's all over? And it pisses me off. Like, for example, and I hate to use Ross as an example, but Ross Bjork makes a million dollars. And he's making a million dollars or a million plus off the back of these kids. At the end of the month, a lot of these kids, they don't have any money, let alone money to eat. No money. And you're saying, well, they got free scholarships and they've got the nutrition table and they get a stipend. Yeah, well, that's not enough. And nothing turns capitalists into socialists like the idea of paying college football players because then you start talking about Title IX issues and all this kind of stuff or they wouldn't be in these positions if they weren't good at football. You're probably right. A lot of them wouldn't be. But Mohamed Sanogo, who's been demonized by some, I mean, that kid is a twice ACC academic honorolee, banking and finance major. That kid could get it anywhere. He could go to Ole Miss, Arkansas. He could maybe even go to Stanford. We don't know. So to paint with a broad brush or to throw a blanket over all these kids and say, oh, shut up, you're just dumb jocks, I just think it's, I think it's unfair. Because Momo, I think, voiced some valid concerns, and they're the ones that are taking on all the risk. So to that end, if you're a player right now, you do understand that you do have a lot of power, and you can enact some change. The question is, what are you going to be willing to give on? That's where you could potentially see some movement happen. Because I think we're, we're barreling towards an obvious outcome. I don't know if it's next year, five years, ten years, but the Power Five is going to separate itself from the NCAA, and these players, in some way, are going to be unionized. I think that's obvious. And I think we need to just get rid of the facade of student-athlete and just accept the fact that they're here to play football. There's nothing wrong with that. Let them play football. These kids work 70-hour work weeks, and that's before you take into account classes. So stop with all this that they get better lives or privileged than normal students. Well, yeah, they do, but they also work harder than the average student. Stop pretending. It's a false equivalency. You can't contextualize this anymore. You can't contextualize anything in this country anymore. Now it's either pick a side. You're pro player or you're pro school. Well, screw all that. There's a context involved here that we need to acknowledge. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You see it a lot more with professional sports. Like, like you're either pro player or you're the worst because you're a pro owner and there's no, like, you know, colors in between or, or tech context, anything. But, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how uh, kind of what the modern college athlete, major college athlete, looks like over the next couple of years because the Pac-12 proposed that revenue sharing deal, which is just never – I don't think that's ever going to happen because if you do the revenue sharing and you really actually pay them what the market says they're worth, well, then pretty much all other sports cease to exist because football pays the tab for all of them. College basketball, too, in most cases, obviously. But outside of those two, all other sports in college cease to exist because they don't make any money. Right now, these football players are getting up there at 7 a.m., and they're not getting out until late in the afternoon. Now, it's voluntary, and I put that in quotations because, yeah, it's voluntary, but these kids know they have to be up there, that they need to be up there. So for a lot of them, it's 7 to 4. And that's before they even start having to take classes. The normal student right now, what is he doing or she doing? Sleeping in to like 10, 30, 11, 11, 30, playing golf. Long ripping some Fortnite. Yeah. So stop with all this that, oh, these students deserve more. These kids deserve more too. And if we're going to say we're a capitalist country, which we are, and we all believe in that, well, this is capitalism. So what it is. It's unfettered capitalism. These kids deserve to make what they're owed or what their worth is. And it goes far beyond name, image, and likeness. And that's why I think that arguments to the contrary are bad faith arguments. Let's talk about common sense solutions that not only appease the schools and the fans, but also the players and gets closer to meeting their actual worth. That's all I'm saying. I want to have a conversation about it, a real conversation about it that doesn't descend into, oh, these... Selfish players, shut up and dribble, shut up and play football. Well, no. For a lot of these kids, this is the best opportunity they'll ever have to maximize not only their earning potential, 
but any leverage they otherwise won't have once they enter the regular workforce. And they earn that opportunity. They put in the work. And that's what's frustrating for me. It's on the schools to protect the players. That's part of the agreement when the kid signs his letter of intent. It shouldn't be on them to set an example for their classmates, like the medical expert said to Momo Sonogo when Momo raised the question of, okay, we go into regular classes. These kids, they've been around all their friends and stuff. They haven't taken these measures seriously. What happens then? If I get that, how are you going to protect me from that? That's a valid concern, and to dismiss it further alienates the players and suppresses their voice when they otherwise should be heard. Because, again, these colleges have proven these players, these football players, are the most important people on campus. So treat them like that. If you're not going to fairly compensate them, at the very least, ensure all their classes are online, even at the expense of ordinary students. Their ability to play football is the single most important factor in keeping schools afloat. Okay, the quiet part is all but being said out loud now. So have the medical protocols and procedures in place to make that happen. And let's stop with this dismissive stuff in regards to their concern. Because these kids earn their opportunities. They work their tails off every day in 100 plus degree heat. We're better than pretty much everyone else on their respective high school football teams. Earned a scholarship to play in the best football conference in college football in the SEC. They are unique. They are different. And you'll hear people say, well, they have the choice to opt out. Well, that's how it works, right? Life is about choices. Problem with that is they want to play. And that's what you want them to want to do. You want them to play. You want them to show leadership. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, they have the ability to opt out. They don't want to opt out because this is the time that they can best benefit themselves. And they got to look out for number one because I think the national discourse right now has proven if they're not looking out for number one, there's no majority that's looking out for them. Right, because everyone else has been getting a cut of the profit except for them. The, you know, I mean, I'm not saying anything earth-shattering here, but they're the ones doing all of the work and yet reaping none of the benefit. So um, I agree. It's uh, I mean, I think we all see where this is trending. It's just a matter of, there's a lot of real estate between just pay them what the market says they're worth and name, image, and likeness. And where does this settle in the next 24 to 36 months? But that's how it works, you know. Life is about choices. Well, if you're going to use that argument and say, well, players can opt out, life's about choices. Well, you could have made the choice to train seven days a week to run faster and jump higher than everyone else. You could have chosen to take care of your body in a way that no one else your age at the time, except for these dudes who did it to earn football scholarships and sculpted yourself into a recruitable athlete, you didn't do it. You made that choice. You could have studied your tail off to get the grades that resulted in schools basically paying for you to come study on their campuses if you're bitching about um, how much tuition costs. You didn't do it. Football players get preferential treatment, but they should. They did the work. They should be compensated for the work. Or in this case, during a generational pandemic, they should be able to get a seat at the table when making decisions about how the sport moves forward and schools continue to cash in on them. And we've made it crystal clear who matters the most on these campuses. Nothing turns capitalists into socialists, quite like college football fans talking about paying the players. It's a mailbag edition of Talking Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Brian Scott Rippey. We're about to open up the Modern Woman mailbag, but before we do, let's hear from Modern Woman and B&A Bank. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. 
We are the Bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. The mail's here. You've got mail. Special mail for you. This is a letter to Hollywood saying, keep it up, movies are great. It's mailbag time. I'm Ben Geert. He's Brian Scott Rippey. There's no easy way to just transition into a mailbag. So we'll jump into it. Ole Miss Sports at Rebel Sports Talk. You could take one current player from each SEC West team to add to this year's Ole Miss team. Who are you taking from each team? Oh, man. I, I can take should've... that first if you want me to. Yeah, go ahead. I should. I need to do a little more homework on this. I know a couple. I just don't know all of them. If it were LSU, the temptation would be Jamar Chase. He's one of the best wide receivers in college football, if not the best. But I think if we're just talking about how it benefits Ole Miss, I honest to God believe Ole Miss has untapped potential at wide receiver and is stronger there than we think because of how poorly utilized they were under Rich Rod, which you and I have discussed. So I couldn't, if I'm picking from LSU, pass up on Derek Stingley. He's the best cornerback for my money in college football. You have to take him. Now, if it's Alabama, I'm sticking on offense, but I'm not thinking Najee Harris or Jalen Waddell or Devonta Smith, all of which are among the best at their positions in all of college football. They'd be awesome, but Ole Miss needs an offensive lineman. And the best offensive lineman for Alabama is Alex Leatherwood. He's a tackle, which would allow Ole Miss, if it needed to, to move Royce Newman, who has positional versatility, to left or right guard. Ben Brown could even slide to center if Jalen Cunningham is good enough at left guard. And, for example, Eli Johnson struggled. Texas A&M, uh, Anthony Hines, he was the second leading tackler for Texas A&M last year. He had, like, what, 70-something tackles, like 73? More importantly, I think, with Ole Miss needing pass rushing help, I think he finished with 10.5 tackles for loss. Give me that guy. Give me that guy because Ole Miss needs pass rushing help. I was going to go a healthy LeBron Ray from Alabama as a defensive end pass rusher. One. That's what Ole Miss needs more than anything. Probably would have gone Stingley at LSU. A&M, I'm just going to go defensive line again and go Bobby Brown and then just pluck a couple of receivers elsewhere. See, I'm not picking any wide receivers, I don't think. Arkansas, oh my God. That roster is so bad that I guess the only player you take is Rakeem Boyd because he's the best player on that entire roster. With the idea that, okay, yes, you're just further strengthening a position of strength. You got Jerry Ely, you got Snoop Connor. Do you really need Rakeem Boyd? Just give me as many playmakers as possible. That's a good problem to have. I'd find enough touches for Jerry Ely, Snoop, and Rakeem Boyd. I'd be fine. Especially if you have some problems at wide receiver, then Jerry Ely, he can catch plenty of passes for you. He can catch 70-plus passes if you need him to. Could I give you a sleeper at LSU that you might not have necessarily thought about? Yeah. Katie York, the kicker. Uh, I would obviously pick Derek Stingley because, I mean, he's just the best quarterback in college football, and how much do you really want to value a kicker? But Ole Miss learned last year, not having competent kicking, it can bury you, man. That's, I like that one. That's good. I like that. Mississippi State. Um, I've loved Kylan Hill since his high school days. I mean, I absolutely think that kid is a stud. First-round NFL draft pick is going to be in the league for 10 years. I love Kylan Hill. But since I've already taken Rakeem Boyd, <laughs> uh, Nathan Pickering, I mean, he seems okay, like a that's no-brainer. A good one. Yeah, he seems like a no-brainer. Kobe Jones would be a potentially good pick, but there's too much history there, so screw Kobe Jones. I take Nathan Pickering. He provided immediate boost to a defensive line that needs it. Like Fabian Lovett would have had Ole Miss not flubbed that up. Here's one, though, that's going to cause some debate. What if I offered you K.J. Costello? Oh, man. I would think about it a long time, but you have seemingly two somewhat competent options. One who's an explosive runner, and I've seen enough just arm talent-wise from Corral um, that I'll pass, but I would have to think about it a lot because – like, if they both end up being bad, then you look at the end of the year 
and you start thinking, man, it'd be nice to have a nice veteran proven major college quarterback like KJ Costello. I would think about it long, but I think I would pass in the end just because like if it were just Corral, if you took Plumlee out of the picture and the storyline going in the season was, can Corral actually be the guy? Then you're definitely taking Costello. But the fact that you have two options, you're kind of banking on or have at your disposal. I would pass, but just barely. Here's the argument. Well, first of all, at LSU, you're not taking Miles Brennan. I'll take my chances. Derek Stingley, he's who I'm taking off your roster. Alabama, same kind of deal. They have questions at quarterback, even though I think they have really good options and they'll be fine because they're Alabama. I'm obviously going to take the offensive line. Texas A&M, Kellen Mond, I'm good. Or who's behind Kellen Mond? Isn't there a kid that's pretty good? Doesn't matter. I'm still not taking a quarterback off that roster. I'm taking Anthony Hines. Arkansas, who knows who their quarterback's going to be. Mississippi State, I think, has the most appealing option if you're going to peel off a quarterback. Auburn, maybe if you like Bo Nix. I like John Rice Plumley better than Bo Nix, personally. And that's going to sound like homerism, and it's not. I just wasn't overly impressed by Bo Nix. And I don't think John Rice Plumley was giving a fair shot. And I think Matt Corral was getting better before he got hurt. KJ Costello, does he offer you more in terms of overall value to your team with John Rice and Matt Corral than Nathan Pickering would? I say no, but it's close. It's really close. Auburn, KJ Britt. I mean, he had something like 10 tackles for loss, three and a half sacks last year, two forced fumbles. Give me all the pass rushing threats the West has to offer. I don't care if they are all linebackers, doesn't matter. I can figure out a way to get them on the field together. Yeah, I agree. I'm not, I can't offer any resistance there. I mean, the Bryant kid at Auburn, maybe, but I, I agree. I'd probably go Brit as well. Brandon Tucker at P underscore B underscore Tucker. Do y'all think due to COVID 19 that there's an actual possibility the Egg Bowl is week one? I'm sure y'all have heard that rumor as well, just seeing what your thoughts are regarding. Not to spoil Nick Suss, but he thinks as of today the Egg Bowl will be week one. I do think there's a realistic possibility that the Egg Bowl will be on week one. And if you made me guess today, I'd say it's LSU. That's just because that's what I've heard most prominently. But logistically, and with the spike in cases in this state, regardless of where you stand on the somehow political COVID-19 debate, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, week one makes the most sense. You're effectively starting with a two-plus-month bubble, and bubble systems work. Yeah, I, I don't think it'd be week one. I just don't really buy into that, and that's nothing other than a gut feeling. I don't know anything. I have heard LSU as well, so I'm going to go LSU. Maybe it's earlier in the year, but if you don't make it week one and you can have it at the end of the year, I mean, it's been kind of a nice bit of comic relief for the rest of the country for the last three years on Thanksgiving night. Figure they'd like to keep it there, but who knows? I think the three options right now are LSU, Alabama, and State. As you're listening to this, the schedule might have come out already. I don't know, but that's what I've heard as of this Tuesday recording. Jody Kitchens at Jay Kitchens 1810 Excluding COVID as a reason, could the slow start to recruiting be because of Kiffin being a more analytical coach, that this staff is just more deliberate with their offers due to no camps and visits? The problem there, Jody, is you can't excuse the COVID reason because that's the reason for not having camps and visits. So that's less to do about an analytical approach so much as they can't evaluate the prospects. The second part of your question proves the point. COVID is the reasoning for no camps and an extended dead period to what? December? In-person evaluation is critical for every staff, but especially first-year staffs, most of which haven't recruited this area. The 2021 class, by the way, getting completely shafted here. We can talk all we want about getting games and protecting the players, all that, but the next wave is getting absolutely shortchanged at a time when they're making one of the most critical, crucial decisions of their lives. It sucks. They're not handing out offers, is Ole Miss, or they're being careful with guys like Ty Keys because they haven't seen them. And the tape that they have on them doesn't really do any favors to those guys. Agreed. Those dudes are getting shafted, and I think it'll end up – I mean, you see the same thing with baseball, right? And, and in baseball's case, you're going to kind of get up and be in a logjam to where juniors and maybe even beyond that kind of end up getting the, the raw end there. But, yeah, I, uh, I agree. That, that's going to be fascinating. But, yeah, I don't think you can answer the second part of the question because the first part is the reason. And, like, if you didn't have COVID, things would look so different. Like, how would you even know if they had a slow start or not? I just think it's impossible to evaluate – uh, kind of putting COVID aside. Jordan Bowers at Jordan Bowers 1. Do you think we still have good shots 
at getting both Antonio Harmon and MJ Daniels. Harmon's a tricky one because I've gotten conflicting information on him. I've heard Ole Miss is still all about him, but I've also heard he's fallen victim to the tape, not providing a proper representation of his abilities, leading to doubts from some segments of the staff. In the end, I think Ole Miss presses for him and lands him. I think George is going to be a real threat throughout the whole process. Matt Luke loves that kid. But you're asking me in August. There's no doubt they absolutely love MJ Daniels. And they have as good a shot as anybody of landing him. And it's not like the old days. In the old days, a kid decommits from your school like Daniels did. You're not getting him back. But here recently, it's starting to become more of a trend. Jerion Ely, he decommitted late last year. Had Clemson after him. Still ended up at Ole Miss. So that's where I think both of those recruitments land. I don't know if you have much to add to that because I don't think you really care about recruiting right now. I was about to say, I'm just deferring to you. I don't feel equipped to answer that question accurately. I could try to blow smoke out of my ass and come up with the answer I, that I fully have no clue about because that's what some takesmen do in this business. They just cock and fire. But uh, no, I'm just going to defer to you. Jordan Bowers again. Who do you think our next football commitment will come from? Malachi Bennett, wide receiver. Jody Kitchens, in your opinion, if we do play Tennessee and Kentucky this year, as some speculate, what do they do for the schedules for next year? Do we play them again or shuffle future schedules? Well, is there a shot? And I know it's harder because college football uh, schedules, particularly in the non-conference sense, are built a long ways off. We've talked about if they, me and you have talked about, I can't remember if it's on the pod or just off air, them going to 10, do they ever go back to eight? Or do they try to find somewhere at nine or 10, which would throw off the future future opponents anyway. So I don't know what they would do if they would add Tennessee or Kentucky. I, I'll throw this out there. If you're Ole Miss, do you want them to do that? Because Stoops is going to have maybe his best team ever at Kentucky. And Tennessee was a couple of September throw-ups away from going nine and three. That would make their schedule immensely harder. I guess you run the risk of drawing Florida and Georgia, but you know, and then I guess who else is there, right? It's really, I guess, just kind of South Carolina. But like, I, I don't know. Do you like if you're Ole Miss? Do you want them to do that? And I, the answer is actual question. I don't know what you would do and beyond. I would assume they would shake that up and not just play them again. But who knows? I think I agree with you, but for me, the real question is, if the 10-game schedule works and revenues explode, you're really going to tell me all these schools, because of the pandemic and how they've been hit for cash, strapped of cash, if it works and works to a profound effect that they're going to want to go back, they might stumble on something that's impossible to move away from again. And you as a fan might think that this is the best thing that's ever happened to... um, your viewing experience, because you care every single week. Every single week you have a game to care about, multiple games to care about, to tune into. So I think it's going to be really hard once all of these conferences have their only conference schedules to go back to the way things were. I don't know what future schedules are going to look like, but it's all going to be impacted and viewed through the lens of how the conference schedules played out. Because from this point forward, There's no going back to whatever normal was. But what is the new normal? Is it closer to that or is it closer to this exaggerated season? And I know a lot of it will be, well, you're forfeiting and giving up on all of those mid-tier schools. Again, man, capitalism. (laughs) That's unfettered capitalism. I'd hate to see it, but if you're Ole Miss, you're hurting for cash. This works. You'll be at the front of the line saying, hey, look, man, let's keep this. Let's make this work, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a certain point where it's just not your problem anymore, right? Like, tough for the the smaller schools, but when the bigger schools become strapped for cash because of a global pandemic no one saw coming, eventually it's just like, eh. But to your point, if revenues explode, are they really going to go back? I don't think you can go back. I'm just being honest. I don't think you can go back. And I think we're barreling towards... The Power Five removing itself from the NCAA. You don't need them. And this pandemic has laid bare all of the things we've been talking about. Not just that the players should be compensated more fairly, but this too. The Power Five does not need the NCAA. And you've seen talks about how the NCAA might cancel its championships this year in football. And the Power Five comes and says, okay, we'll hold our own championships. 
If I were a fan, I would root for that. I really would. Because if that happens, it's over. And all this NCAA nonsense that every one of these schools, especially Ole Miss, has had to deal with, it's over. It's basically allowing the schools to govern themselves. Oh, all the money will go. The, the money's already going everywhere, man. The black market's already there. Let's just bring it to the light. Let's just be real with it. And it's not going to change your viewing experience, man. If anything, if you're an Ole Miss fan, hell, you can get involved with the process. <laughs> you can have a direct, tangible impact on what happens on the field. I'm just saying. I just don't think uh, I don't think we're going back. I don't think it's going back to uh, what it's always been. I just think we're moving far past that at this point. Yeah, and like I, I, the point you made is a good one. Is like If you're a fan, you've already chosen to get emotionally invested in the most uneven and rigged playing field there is in American sports, I guarantee you it's probably not going to get more rigged than it already is. John Caleb Wilson, at John Caleb Wilson. What receiver stands out other than Moore this year? I believe there's potential in this roster. I do too. Jonathan Mingo. He took mine. I I was going to spit him out pretty quickly. Uh, Maybe a healthy Braylon Sanders just because he was so injury-ridden last year, but I was going to go Mingo. He was the one that actually showed flashes, and there were times last year, even though it was very small sample sizes, largely because of the offense, where you kind of just looked at it and you're like, okay, there's something there. So I think it's easily Mingo. And easily my biggest sleeper pick, number two behind Mingo, Stannis Jackson. I just think the utilization of those guys last year was criminal. It was terrible. Just absolutely an advocation of duty. Awful. Absolutely awful. I mean, running two routes and taking away three quarters of the field was uh, not not the greatest strategy. Oh, and not really interested in throwing to the tight ends either. Just unbelievable. Corey Clark at Corey underscore Clark 91. The head of my driver detached mid-swing this weekend and went into a pond. I'm looking into buying a new one. What driver do you use? Well, first of all, Rippy has to answer this because I am still using my King Cobra from high school. I would go with the Epic Flash. That's what I not, That's what I hit. At this point, if you find a driver that fits you and you're comfortable with it and it's new, the technology kind of speaks for itself across the board. So just find one you like. But I use the Epic Flash. It's forgiving and it gives you pretty good distance. But I don't screw with the weights and all that uh, at all. I would become a head case. But you do you, man. Chuck gave me two really good drivers that he used to have. Barely used because Chuck just collects these things. And I went out there and I tried to hit him. Couldn't feel it, man. Couldn't feel it at all. And I've already got very, very little room for error. Rippy knows this as well as anybody. I have very, very little room for error. So, yeah, I guess I'm stuck playing with this King Cobra forever. Can clubs die on you? I mean, if you really smack a driver, I guess, a little bit after a while. But mostly it's just outdated technology because they keep souping these things up more and more. And really, it, it, it's it's made for the amateurs. Like, it's helped the amateurs a ton. But you're seeing it at the pro level where Bryson DeChambeau is just dismantling golf courses and hitting it to where the people that designed the course never really in, intended someone to hit a tee shot. Um, so while I do think regulation is probably eventually coming to that end, the technology is so good now, it's really just a race to keep up and get more distance out of it for an amateur. We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippey in this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions. After I tell you about Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch and LB's Meat Market, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch. That's right, Brennan. He spent eight years on the football staff at Ole Miss as a recruiting analyst, as he detailed brilliantly in a recent interview on this podcast. But he's out now. He's out of the game, having joined the family business, where his goal is to be with you through every step of the car buying experience, from purchasing to financing to servicing, all the way to the purchase of the next vehicle and the one after that. When you arrive on the lot at Homer Skelton Ford and Olive Branch, you'll quickly realize that this is a family business, which I can personally vouch for because I recently went through this process with Brennan. And I can safely say, if you're in his area, there's no one better to contact to help you find that car you've been searching for through someone you can trust. So reach out to him today at BrennanChapman.com. That's B-R-E-N-N-O-N Chapman.com. Whether it's shopping new or used, Brennan can help you out. That's Brennan Chapman of Homer Skelton Ford in Olive Branch. Talk of Champions is thrilled to welcome LB's Meat Market as one of its newest sponsors. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. The place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six ounce bacon wrapped filet for $10. 
They got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi. Jared Robinson at Jared underscore R25. Who's the better announcing duo, Tony Romo and Jim Nance, or Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson? Oh my God. Tony Romo and Jim Nance. I can't stand Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. I agree on your pick for the duo. I do. Well, I don't necessarily think they're their best announcing crew. I do. They're like, like to me, Van Gundy and Jackson, you can tell they're like friends and they have a good relationship. And I appreciate their kind of banter and picking at each other. It's kind of like an off-brand uh, Charles Barkley and Shaq. Like that's like the, the the king of like these dudes love to screw with each other type of thing. I do enjoy that. But Romo, as far as broadcasting talent, it's 100% Romo and Nance. Although I will throw out there my favorite uh, broadcast for football period is Collinsworth and Al Michaels on Sunday Night Football. 100%. But for basketball, Doris Burke as color analyst is the best. Doris is awesome. She's so good. Baseball-wise, anybody but Chip Carey and Tom Brenneman. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know if you want Tom Bruneman. Um, I thought you were going to leave that as anyone but Chip Carey. I don't know enough about the baseball regional announcers like to know who's really good and who's not. The Cubs guy seems fine. Lynn Casper, and then I forget the guy who does it now, J.D. something. Um, but, yeah, I agree. Boog Shambi was so good for the Braves. He's now with the ESPN. He's good. Him and Chipper together are great. I just don't like three-man booths. That's what I don't Agreed. like. Just go to two-man booths. Hunter Kinneberg at Hunt Kinneberg. Schedule will probably be announced before this, but who would you like to see as Ole Miss's two extra SEC opponents? Tennessee, since they hadn't played Tennessee since 2014, and South Carolina. When's the last time Ole Miss went to South Carolina? I was trying to look this up. So obviously Ole Miss played them in 18, kind of blew the game late, lost 48-44. to 44. Man, that... That was a beaten and battered South Carolina team. Went and dropped 48 points on the Ole Miss defense. Has Ole Miss gone to South Carolina since 2009 nope. with that Houston Nut team? Nope. Is that the, really the last time? How does, yep. that, how does that happen? I don't know. But what a way to go out. Yeah, wow. Tennessee. Ole Miss played Tennessee in October 2014. That was a win, 34-3. Before that, oh, my God. Let me tell you a story here. November of 2010. Ole Miss went to Knoxville, lost 52-14 to to Derek Dooley. I wrote a scathing column about Houston Nutt. Chuck read it before I posted it. We meet down in the uh, little tunnel of the stadium, of Neyland Stadium, and Chuck is fired up. He is pissed. It's the only time Chuck and I have ever gotten to a real fight. He's the best boss ever. I would never work for anybody else. I love this guy to death. But we had it out. You can't publish that. No, 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 no. You can't publish that, that. And I'm like, what are you defending at this point? This guy's terrible. Blah, blah, blah. People are watching. So we're yelling at each other. Just going at it. Ultimately, he let me run the column. And I got to blitz Houston Nutt. And from that point forward, Houston Nutt and myself, we hated each other. So I could see that coming. But I didn't care. Because I thought Houston Nutt was a disaster. How in the world... Has Ole Miss not gone to Tennessee since 2000, what? 10. And they haven't gone to South Carolina since 2009? We're in the year 2020. How does that make any sense? And Ole Miss is not even slated to go to South Carolina, are they? Mm, nope. Mm-mm. That doesn't jive yeah. with me. That doesn't add up. But but whatever. Yeah, yeah I agree with those two. Just because you don't want Kentucky and you already play Vanderbilt. Darby McCraney, favorite 2021 commit on offense and defense thus far. Thanks for keeping us entertained, guys. Thank you, Darby, for listening. I appreciate it. Um, defense would have, this- to be, it would have to be Deke Jackson, that four-star linebacker that recently committed. Hmm. There's just not a lot to pick from. Uh, Kendrick Breedlove, I think he could be good. They need more commitments. Let's go that way. <laughs> I was about to say there's, what, nine? Braylon Brown, four-star wide receiver, maybe. Caden Costa, the kicker. They need help there. There you go. You're hung up on some kickers, man. I mean, what? Ole Miss was 
one of six beyond 40 yards last year, you'd think that would uh, need to, like, particularly in a 10-game SEC slate, you'd think that would matter at some point. I'm just saying, I'm not actually going to pick the kicker. I'll go Braylon, Braylon Brown, and then I'm going to go with you on defenses uh, as well. Matt Beard at Matt Beard. If you had to pick one game for Ole Miss football to pull the surprising upset, which one is it and why? LSU, because I think the drop-off from Joe Burrow to Miles Brennan is so significant. I know that they've got tremendous talent. Jamar Chase, we already talked about my favorite player in college football, and Derek Stingley, LSU. I mean, I just currently pulled up Ole Miss's schedule and got 10 TBDs. So I'd like to see the schedule first, but the one originally constructed, I was going to throw Auburn out there. You get them at home early. Obviously, that's not what the schedule is probably going to be now. You never really know with Gus. He technically is kind of a four-loss coach. That seems more likely than Florida. I'll go Auburn based off the old schedule, but I'd like to see the new one and answer that again in another mailbag. J.A. Berry 5 at J.A. Berry 5. If Ole Miss had the funds and it was a priority, ooh, what realistic additions slash upgrades could be expected to bought Hemingway Stadium? If they had the funds, demolish that thing and build a new one. It's just not loud. Like, it's built very far out, and the noise escapes. And, like, no offense to anyone that likes Vaught Hemingway or anyone listening that would have any part in constructing that thing. But at this point, it's just a hodgepodge of, like, renovations, and you can tell that. Like, if I, would, I was always wondered if I were, like, a visiting fan and I had never been to Vaught Hemingway Stadium before. I always wondered this work in these games. Like, with the naked eye, you could look around and be like, renovation, 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 and see what they've added on, like, with – like ease in terms of the original stadium, what's been added on since it just doesn't blend together well. And it's not very loud. So I would go new stadium. If they had the funds, no renovation, just bulldoze the thing. What's the major league line? Turn it into a parking lot. It's four different segments that make up a stadium and it looks bad. It's time to really think about, but almost can't think about it because it doesn't have the funds. I don't even know why we're having the discussion. Vaughn Hemingway stadium is here to stay for a long, long time. That's why I'm saying if this 10-game schedule works, Ole Miss is going to be at the front of the line because a lot can be solved by just having this work and not having to pay schools, not having to go to Charlotte, South Alabama. Hell, go to USC. I want to go to that game, but I'm going to be honest with you. I'd much rather play a 10-game regional schedule and cover it because I think it's more interesting. And the stakes matter every single week. And the absolute flow of money that's going to come in, it's going to be tempting. Just watch out. Baco Reb at Jeremiah eight seven one two. If we manage to play all ten games, what do you guess our record will be? Four and six. Exactly what I was going to say. I could see five and five, but anything beyond five and five, I'd be pretty stunned with. So, I get these bowl games are out of sight, out of mind at this point. We just need to get a season going first. But what do you do with the whole bowl eligibility thing if uh, if all these conferences are playing ten game slates? Well, I think it came out recently. Maybe today, maybe on Monday, I read it on 247 that effectively the bowl structure is going to be where if you're three and six, you can make a bowl. Or three and seven, four and six, you can make a bowl. I'm not going to complain about covering a three and seven Ole Miss team in Memphis because they've never gone to a bowl since I started working and I want a bowl gift. Drew at Moke Drew. Will the Braves win the division even if the Marlins never play again? Not without Mike Soroka. Jack at Jack Hackett 10. Will the season opener be versus Auburn? Or will they shake up the schedule? They're going to shake it up. I think it's going to be LSU or Alabama or State. That's what I think. Brody Clayton at Brody Allen. Do you guys think the Egg Bowl will be the last game of the season or move to an earlier point in the season um, this upcoming year? Moved up. We think it's going to be moved up regardless, right? Whether or not they start there, it's going to be moved up. So you think there's zero shot they play on Thanksgiving night? I don't think there's zero shot. I just think it's trending towards when you look at where cases are in the early portion of the schedule, ensuring that teams don't travel very far, at least to start. If you're doing it that way, Tuscaloosa, Baton Rouge, Starville. Starville is the closest. I mean, you can make a case for Vanderbilt, make a case for Auburn, but I think that's where you look towards. Where are the closest places right now with cases being what they are, regardless of how you think about the cases. We're not talking about that. So that's what you need to consider. Kyle Kofer at Kyle underscore Kofer 12. Does Sugary's Bakery in downtown New Albany have the best cake of all time? Not the best cake of all time, but they make great cakes. They're where I get my cake for my wife um, for her birthday, where I get my cake for my daughter Gracie for her birthday. Riley doesn't like cake. He only likes cupcakes, but when we go get cupcakes, we go get it from Sugary. So Sugary's, 
Bakery, downtown New Albany. You should come sponsor the Talk of Champions podcast because you're getting some free advertising right now. Steve Mayo, at Stephen P. Mayo. Thoughts on the Pac-12 players' demands? I think we kind of addressed this a little bit, but if you want to go further. I mean, I think just in short, some of them make sense. I like the healthcare option. Uh, that's one thing I actually talked to our, our our good friend David Johnson about. Just I think this was actually a couple years ago at this point when Eli was either a freshman or summer. It was right off – Eli had an ACL injury a year or two ago, right, if I remember correctly? Yeah. Um, it was, it was during that. And we were just talking about how there's no like plan after football. And like, he's going to require probably a couple more surgeries at some point in his life. And there's no plan to cover that. So stuff like that, like I think it's feasible and I think should be in place. But then there's other things like the 50, 50 revenue split where it's like, come on, man, like you're not getting there yet. I'm not saying they shouldn't ask for it, but that's kind of just my summation of it. Some of it realistic, some of it practical, some of it just not even a prayer of ever getting there. Going to jump right back to Brian Scott ripping this mailbag edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two more proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hitting add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors. I truly believe it. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, the only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine, has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays, you can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Chris Woodward, at AFNC Woodward. What are three things Ole Miss fans need to see early on this season to know that the team is moving in the right direction? All right, I got this one. You need to see them run out of the tunnel and Eli Johnson put one in between his legs to the quarterback. That would probably be a good sign to start. Well, yes, but you know what he's really saying, what he's really asking. You need to, what? I'll, okay, I'll say decisiveness at quarterback. Yes. Whatever it is, good offensive line play and the pass rush just not being a total disaster. Some competency with pass rush. I love the way you put that, decisiveness at quarterback. Because I think everywhere else, it's fine. I think the offensive line is a little better than we give them credit for. The problem is they have no depth. But I do think they got some good offensive linemen coming up behind these guys. Last two classes is going to provide a lot of depth and then ultimately starters. So those are the three areas. Absolutely, that's where you need to look. I think almost is strong at linebacker, competent enough at defensive back, competent enough at wide receiver. But decisiveness at quarterback, that's perfect. That's exactly where you have to look for first. You have to look at that but- and then pass rush. Can you actually generate some pass rush? Yeah, because you saw what happened with no pass rush, particularly on the exterior in 2018. And it was just, I mean, I did the Kellen Mond game at Texas A&M for whatever sticks out just because he had all day to throw. And so it was just a disaster. But as far as the quarterback thing, I, I think with no preseason, I just think like uh, no preseason, excuse me, short fall camp. 
and like no spring. I just think you're going to see I, like is it real really really realistic to think there's not going to be any sort of rotating in and out on the first couple of games? And I just think some women's fans are going to see that after watching that last year and throw up on their television screen. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing Corral go out and Pumpy go back just in. Don't do that. Um, yeah, I think it's going to trigger some PTSD. But when you make a decision, stick with it. Yeah, just go with it and leave it there. And if it doesn't work after five games, okay, okay. But give them some real rope because I don't think either one of those players got any kind of rope. Antonio Batista at PD underscore Batista. Other than your own, what's your favorite podcast and why? This podcast is for you guys. But my favorite podcast to listen to, pardon my take, makes me laugh. That's a good one. I used to be a regular listener. Now I've just kind of uh, tapered off. That's probably more so than anything, just not traveling as much. Um, for NBA, if you like the NBA, I actually enjoy Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo's Sunday podcast. It's Bill Simmons' podcast, but their NBA discussions on Sundays are pretty good. And then I just enjoy Russillo's podcast in general. I think he has interesting people on, and it's always uh, entertaining to me. But love part of my take, too. I really like the Rewatchables podcast from the Ringer family of podcasts. I think it's really fun. They rewatched an old movie and talk about it, and that was something I kind of wanted to do with Ole Miss games back in the day, but kind of fell through because that was hard logistically to pull off. Steve Mayo, at Stephen P. Mayo, who could we see wearing number 38 this fall? I forgot they haven't given that out. We're in August, and we don't know who the Chucky Mullins Award winner is. I got a couple I mean, of candidates. I think it's going to Ryder Anderson. I could see Jalen Jones wearing it. You've been around this longer than me. I know underclassmen have worn it before. Momo Sonogo just seemed like the right choice. And then I was trying to think of a senior just off the top of my head. And, of course, it was Ryder. I mean, there really are no other seniors other than Anderson and Jalen Jones, right? Yeah. I think Ryder Anderson is the most obvious one because he was outspoken during the march they had, their Black Lives Matter march. Yep. Um, he's been out there and – put his face on a number of different things for Ole Miss. I think Ryder makes a lot of sense right now. I really do. Agreed. If That's you're going to give it to a senior. Pick. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to give it to a senior. It's like more high profile, but similar as far as the selection to Austrian Robinson. My question is right now, do you think Lane Kiffin even knows what the Chuck Mullins <laughs> Award is? I'll say yes, just because, and good on Ole Miss for this being the case, but it's just ingrained enough in that football like facility and the building and all of that. You got to think he's kind of seen it and knows what it is. But I get your point. So we're just so far behind on everything. Like there's a chance that he doesn't. I mean, there's a chance he doesn't know like the ceremony and the award hasn't been thrown out yet. The Chucky Waka Wada. That's what I say. <laughs> Dave at Gunboat Dave. Can you get at Rebels two four seven? This David Johnson on for another recruit check. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. I'll do it next week. I'm curious to hear about the other soon-to-follow comment after Dink and Jay Hawkins committed Friday. I will do that for you, Gunboat Dave. No problem. Hayden, at TupDaddy94 to finish us out here. Where has all the out-of-the-country recruiting come from, Lane or other coaches? I believe we have two Canadian commitments and are recruiting a German prospect. That comes from, like Lane mentioned in his um, introductory press conference, that comes from exploring all avenues to recruit talent. We're so used to one particular way. No longer. Now, because of the advent of the transfer portal and knowing that kids can go and perform in another league and then have a year of eligibility here if they graduate on time, there are so many more new avenues in which to go get talent. And I think Lane Kiffin embraces that. And that's why you've seen Ole Miss land two guys, upperclassmen from Canada and also Springer from Navy. And they're going to keep exploring all of these different opportunities because it's not just about high school prospects anymore. It's not just about the class coming up. It's about getting immediate impact talent, which you believe to be immediate impact talent, from the transfer portal and from exploring, quote, foreign type of prospects that can help you immediately. So the days of thinking in a very insular way about recruiting, those days are gone. You need to start thinking about all the ways in which Ole Miss can go get talent. That was a really good answer. I don't have a better way to answer that, but I'll try. Uh, Lane took an abroad trip in college, came back with a bit of an accent, and made some recruiting ties. Really like the area. Oh my god! No, I don't have any way to have a better way to answer that. I think <laughs> I think you covered it. That was a good answer. I mean, you're you've seen you've seen it for a while with college hoops, right? Like the ways in which you feel talent. I mean, you saw AK kind of go a different route after quite a few misses. Not an apples to apples 
scenario by any stretch of the imagination, but you're just seeing people get more inventive in general. Outside of that, I think you covered all the bases there. A couple weeks ago, Hooper Wilkinson, he wanted me to ask you, B.S. Rippy, tell us the story about your high school basketball career. And Bracken Ray, former Ole Miss assistant, grad assistant, whatever, for Ole Miss basketball, good peoples, he seconded the statement. Have you not heard this before? I feel like I've told this on every public forum I've, uh, I've been know. a part of in my adult life. Have you? Have you not? I don't know. I'll go the short version here. So uh, I went to a private school, small school in Jackson. Uh, shout out the Raiders Jackson Academy. But in private school, if you want to play a sport, they just say, hey, man, here's your equipment. Uh, not really much of a tryout thing going on. So I decided to play basketball my senior year and – those of you that have known me or seen me in person, not exactly the most physically intimidating person of all time. Uh, I sucked. It's absolutely awful. But the team was pretty good that year. And so, like, the athletically gifted members of the team would kick the shit out of the other team. And then, like, if there was enough time left over, I, that was my time. I like, got 30, up 40, I'd get in the games. But most of my friends who did not play basketball uh, went in the student section and we're basically just rowdy. And then when they get to the end of the games, they would start chanting my name because they found that to be funny. And it became a bit of a phenomenon. And finally, it worked. We were playing a game one night. And, you know, they wouldn't stop and wouldn't stop chanting. And this is a tiny gym. So it's just getting awkward at this point. So finally, the coach just like throws me in the game. And about four or five minutes of just debauchery, I think turned it over a few times, got, got packed a few times. But with about 45 seconds left to go in the game, uh, Bracken Ray actually uh, takes a little dribble drive. My defender left me because I posed no threat to do anything. And he dished it out, and I hit a three with about 30 seconds left. And I'm not kidding you. I think made the score like 90 to 35. And this gym lost its collective mind. I mean, people were throwing bottles. I mean, it was unbelievable. People just had a meltdown. And so then they storm the court because the buzzer sounds about 25 seconds after this three goes in. So they storm the court and I get picked up and I'm like thoroughly embarrassed. I start kick, kicking and squirming and I can see like people in the visiting stands clapping. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. But Oh I no, they done. thought you were special needs. Well, Oh yeah. So I get done. I go shower and change. I think the night's over. And then I come back and I'm going to go like talk to my parents out on the court and drive home. You know, typical high school stuff. But I come back and there's people still there. And, like, some of them start, like, smiling and clapping a little bit again. And then I kind of start hearing, like, the talk around me about, like, man, like, this kid looks looks and talks pretty well for whatever he's been through. And uh, I had to explain to some people that I was uh, I was normal. I just was stuck at, sucked at sports. <laughs> and that was my high school basketball experience. <sighs> I put that in the written word a while back. But, yeah, it's a tough one. Tough one to swallow for the ego. Stuck with golf after that. Oh, man, I love that so much. You're good at golf. I can vouch for you firsthand there. Yeah, because you'll have to snag a rebound in golf. And I'm terrible at golf, so. I don't think you and I. You're pretty good getting back into it. You went a long time without playing. I think you and I could have done better as a a pair in our tournament that we played in. I think we didn't. I think we kind of put a little bit too much pressure on ourselves. And we weren't properly, how do we say, um, drunk. Right between the ears. Yeah, <laughs> we had, we had, we'd have read the putts better if we'd uh, if the tee time if we'd have had a twelve o'clock shotgun start versus a ten or a nine or whatever it was, we'd have been smooth sailing. We'd have been rolling the putts. Oh my in god, my glass. I haven't told you this, but okay. So Chuck gave me his old putter too, and he's got this huge grip on it. It's great. And um, the other day, now I was putting for freaking bogey because that's me. It was like a 30, 40 foot putt. I'm not even kidding. And Wit, who played with us, he was there. I sank this thing. Sank it. I oh. Just, yeah. And I went, that'll never happen again. But I thought I had just won the freaking Masters hitting this thing. <laughs> and remember, this is for bogey at Oaks Country Club in New Albany. But when you hit that, I'm good. Okay, if I have that and then still have some absolutely abysmal holes, I'm good with it. There's See, that's the thing about golf. No matter what your handicap is or like how good or bad you are, if like there's no there's no feeling like 
I mean, striping a drive, probably one of them, but particularly like sticking an iron to six, seven feet or even tighter than that, or draining a putt that you know is good from like 10 feet out, like just dead center and you can it. There's no better feeling than that. And whatever that feeling is in that moment, to me, is what keeps people coming back. I mean, it's just like the most boss feeling of all time. All right, before we get out of here, as we're finishing up, the SEC announced its new preseason football practice schedule. Preseason football activities for SEC schools, with the first allowable practice now scheduled for August 17th. The new SEC calendar provides student-athletes with more days off than required by the NCAA and fewer practices than permitted by current NCAA rules. Last week, the SEC announced... In the revised SEC preseason football calendar from August 7th through 16th, Schools are permitted to conduct up to 14 hours per week of strength and conditioning, meetings and walkthroughs beginning August 17th and until the opening game. Schools are allowed 25 practices with a limit of 20 hours per week of practice time. A five-day acclimation period is required with two days in helmets only, two days in shells, and the fifth day in full pads. Schools will be required to provide student-athletes a minimum of two days off each week until the week before the first game of the season. I was curious how they are going to handle that. I really was. Because now you have two months until the season starts. I thought that they would have to let them go home at some point. But at least they're giving them off days. I don't know if that's quite far enough as I would have gone. But at least you're giving them off days. I'd have given them three days off a week. Yeah, I like that setup though. That seems feasible, right? That's 25 practices? That seems compromisable. That's not a word, but you get what I'm going for. Yeah, and I mean, if you ask Kiffin, which I'm sure after this comes out and in the next couple weeks we'll have something. But like... I mean, 25 practices, I mean, they'll hit the ground running. I mean, they'll use every second of that. We're moving towards football. Good or bad, they're going to try to get it in. It's about starting. It's about finishing. Let's see if they can do it. This has been Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit. Been on Twitter. He's Brian Scott, Rippy at BS. Rippy, if you haven't already, subscribe, review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. I don't care what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available on SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. We'll be back later this week. Nick Suss is going to be the guest we've already recorded. Thanks, buddy. I'll talk soon. Sounds good. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.